Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danker and Willie King. Of course, uh, he'll return in just a while with some finance updates. For now, it is time for Why It Matters. Now, according to Finch Ratings, real estate investment trusts, or commonly known as REITs, in the logistics and industrial spaces will be the most resilient against rising inflation and interest rates amid an unexpected economic slowdown in 2023. In a report recently issued, the credit ratings agency said logistics REITs would continue to benefit from industry tailwinds such as rising e-commerce adoption, the reshoring of supply chains and inventory stockpiling. Well, analysts are also saying that industrial REITs with exposure to high-tech buildings and data centers will be somewhat shielded against an environment of slowing economic growth due to their long leases to large corporate tenants. So does this mean that logistics and industrial REITs are the best place to weather economic slowdown? Let's try and find out more from Russell Ung, the CEO manager, Ames APAC Reed. Good morning, Russell. How are you? Good morning, uh, Elliot. Uh, thanks a lot for helping me out with this, uh, talking about the industrial and logistics REITs sector. Uh, of course, uh, Ames APAC REITs is growing industrial real estate investment trust listed on main board of the Singapore, Stock, uh, Singapore Exchange rather since April 2007. Uh, what else can you tell us about it? Great. Look, for the listeners who may not be f- familiar with us, um, Ames APAC REIT is sponsored by Ames Financial Group, which is headquartered in Sydney, Australia. Uh, at the moment, we, we currently own and manage close to $2.4 billion of industrial real estate. Uh, that's, that's really across 29 properties um, in four key subsectors in Singapore and Australia. And I would say the portfolio is really anchored by our business park and high-tech properties. Uh, these are typically leased to, to high-value-added companies. Uh, our top three customers, in fact, you know, lease these properties on a long-term lease. Um, about 40% of our portfolio is leased to the logistics and warehouse segment, um, which, which has been very resilient in the past two years, particularly during COVID. Uh, and the balance 20% of our portfolio is leased to industrial industrialists across a, a range of industries. Uh, and, and look, if you look at the sort of key metrics for, for REITs, uh, we, we do have a very long uh, weighted average lease to expiry. Uh, and this really sort of measures the um, average portfolio lease term, which is about 4.9 years. Uh, which really gives the REIT some level of income certainty over the midterm. Mm. Um, I want to talk about acquisitions by SREITs uh, led by those in the industrial space. What are your thoughts on this uh, particular segment of the local market? Look, um, acquisitions at, at the moment are, you know, it, it's somewhat difficult um, with, with rising interest rates. Yeah. Um, and this, this, has, this has funded some, um, affected some of the funding costs from REIT plays, including ourselves. And so, look, I think at, at the moment, particularly for us, we, we are fairly disciplined. We, we are monitoring where interest rates are, are currently at um, in, in deciding where, um, you know, when we, we look, we're looking to make future acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell, um, so yesterday there was this whole issue of the British pound and how it's hit further lows against a strengthening US dollar. What would that mean for Singapore-listed REITs, um, especially those with exposure to the UK economy? Uh, are we expected to see a severe impact or little? Look, it depends on the individual REITs. Okay. You know, so, so look, REITs with exposure to the UK pound, would have some impact in terms of their, their current loan exposure um, as well as their income distributions. Uh, I guess really for us at Ames, we, we are invested predominantly in, in, in Singapore and Australia. Mm. 
I guess Australia is no different to, to the UK pound. Um, we, we are subject to, to potential FX movements. Okay. And so for us, it's really important to have some, some level of natural hedges. Um, what that means is we, we have about two-thirds of our portfolio that, that are funded by local, local debt. So mm. I think that would help mitigate some of the um, movements in, in FX. And with, with regards to the income distribution back, we, um, we also hedge you know, typically up to, to 80 90% of our foreign uh, forex income. So, so that really helps mitigate any movements in, in foreign, foreign exchange movements. Uh, it's been quite interesting to look at the growth in the industrial market. What do you think are some of the factors that have led to this uh, so-called positive outcome? Look, I think we, we really sort of observe uh, you know, a couple of key trends uh, and structural changes that we believe were, were already sort of taking place before the COVID pandemic. I think the first one really is that there has been a shift towards um, you know, changing consumer spending and consumption. Mm. And that's really sort of driven the, the, the whole rise of the e-commerce and online spending. And so whilst that has sort of come off somewhat, um, you know, following the um, opening of, of, the, of the economies, uh, we think that e-commerce and online spending is very much here to stay. And that really sort of underpinning the, the demand for warehouse space. We've also seen really uh, take up by manufacturers um, in Singapore that has really been quite solid over this period. Um, and that's really because Singapore has been pushing to become a, a global business hub for innovation and talent. What we saw during the pandemic was the precision engineering and ma- manufacturing companies, particularly those that are servicing the upstream and ha- high value added um, industries. Um, look, they've been bright spots and we're still seeing very good uh, customer demand in this space. Okay. And I think there's been enough warning shots with regard to the need to build up uh, supply chain resilience. What have you seen with regard to the focus in this area? And do the, do the words ESG or sustainability come into play in ensuring such resilience? Or is it wider than that? Look, you've raised two, two points. They, they are somewhat interrelated. Uh, I'll stop with the first one. Okay. Um, we, we have seen also during the, uh, the, the COVID pandemic, there was some disruption in global supply chains. Uh, and so what, that has, what, what, what has resulted in some shortages of food and essential inventory, particularly things like semiconductor chips, and this has affected the um, upstream supply chains. <clears throat> so, so there is certainly a shift from just in time to just in case. Mm. And there's, been, you know, there's obviously been, been a big push to automate and, and to go digital. So, so really, we are seeing this shift, uh, particularly within the industrial segment. Um, we don't think that's going to go away, and that's, gonna, and that's really going to take greater prominence. And I guess leading into the whole push for, for ESG and sustainability, this has really been become a forefront of discussion with investors, lenders, and many stakeholders in the value chain. And, and really what that means is that there, there is an increased expectation um, that we make our buildings green, that, that, we're, that we're more mindful in terms of how we use our energy, um, and that will also require quite a bit of automation um, and going digital. So, so, so I think really um, we are seeing a trend in, in really the ESG space as well, uh, really changing the, the industrial landscape. Mm. Certainly, that's a a positive out of, you know, some of the negatives uh, that we've come through and how there's this uh, focus on on this area. Although I I do want to talk about some of the near-term headwinds. I mean, we've been talking about mitigating the rising interest rates, um, borrowing costs, etc. Your thoughts on handling the rising utility costs. I mean, what can be done to to deal with this situation? Uh, Look, I think the... um if you look at the headwinds in the market at the moment, look, interest rates are obviously the, the, the key one, um, and that's really to try to taper off global inflation. The second one, uh, it really is uh, you know, higher energy costs, and, and that's really due to 
really, I think, made, made um, went worse through, through the current war between Russia yeah, and, and Ukraine. Right. And so I think to, to manage this with, uh, you know, I think, I think a, a lot of players are now sort of uh, going green. Um, and that also includes uh, looking at things like solar energy as, as an alternative uh, source. And, and so, look, we, we've just really um, partnered with um, SP Group. Really, uh, it's, been, it's been about a year in the making um, where we're actually looking to implement over 200 rooftop solar panels across our portfolio um, to, to really sort of generate over 14,500 megawatts of energy per year. Mm. So, so really, that, that, that's, that's really a, a push by, by us. To, to really sort of go green and, and to hope, hopefully mitigate some, some energy costs um, in the future. Mm. But as far as the positive outlook for this sector is concerned, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, do you think that inflationary pressure is going to continue to pose to be a problem? Look, in, inflation is certainly a problem. Um, mm. I think it, it, is, it is being faced by various parties. I guess we're, we're fortunate um, in, a, in real estate. We, we are in, somewhat inflation hedged. Particularly within our portfolio, we have really a large part of a portfolio that has, you know, annual rental escalations mm. between two to three mm. percent, and and also we've been fortunate to have a, a large proportion of our portfolio in the warehouse segment, which has seen positive gains over the past, you know, twelve eighteen months following COVID. So that has really sort of helped uh, alleviate some of the rising costs. How does uh, stable operation metrics demonstrate portfolio resistance? I mean, perhaps we could take the COVID-19 uh, period as an example. Sure. Uh, look, I think for us, we, we, have, we, we are fortunate. We have over 200 customers, so fairly diversified in terms of income um, collections. We, we were fortunate also to have very little arrears, uh, just again due to the resilience of, of the industries that, that our tenants operate in. Uh, if you look across our portfolio, we have about 80% in what I would call defensive and resilient industries, um, logistics, supermarkets, telecommunications, life science, uh, and data centers. So this has really sort of supported the, uh, the, the rental collection as well as the growth within the portfolio. And I think really key to us is, um, you know, we, we have managed to maintain a very high occupancy, uh, really tr- tracking between 93 to 97% over the past two years, um, higher than, than the JTC national average during that period. Right. So these little, um, in a sense, like subsectors helping to ensure that you capture uh, potential growth opportunities in that sense. That's right. That's right. And, and I think, look, it, it's really a function of, um, I would say, the, the, the quality of the portfolio. If you look across our, uh, our, our portfolio, we, we have re- redeveloped over six properties in the past six years. Where we've undertaken major asset enhancements uh, across three of our properties over, over that period as well. So if I look at our portfolio, we have about 70% that we've either redeveloped, we've actually enhanced, um, or we've acquired to really complement the existing portfolio. So, so that, that really forms the foundation, and, and that's, that's allowed us to really attract good quality tenants. Mm. Uh, Russell, just as a final word, and it's quite a generic one, um, what is your personal outlook for the logistics and industrial REITs sector for 2023? Uh, look, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think that we are in a relatively good segment, um, particularly when you compare with, with the other sectors. As I mentioned earlier, the, the, the structural changes that we've seen aren't going to go away. Certainly, there is going to be some slowdown um, you know, in tandem with the economy. But, but look, ultimately, we, we do have a very resilient portfolio and really sort of taking, taking note of the headwinds that, that, that are sort of hitting us, but fairly confident that we can continue to perform over the next 12, 18 months. All right. I've been speaking with Russell Ng, the CEO manager for Ames APEC REIT. Uh, Russell, I appreciate your time this morning. Take care and have a great day ahead, yeah? Great. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.
To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.